0: When uh, when death knocks at your door, uh, just this past week, uh, we were able to, we had a, a couple at our our campus in Jennings that uh, they had a stillborn baby and uh, I was able to do the funeral and God really used that that, that that time, but it was just us getting around that couple, you know, because I, I could not insult them by saying, I know what you're going through. How many of am talking about it? And I just couldn't insult them by saying, hey, I know what you're going through. But let me tell you something. We love you and we want to have compassion. I mean, we had people in the church go buy our clothes. We had people uh, just buy that are feeding them for the next two weeks in the evenings, taking care of their children. And, I mean, that's what spiritual family is all about. That's what family should be about. Amen? Amen. Okay, listen. When I talk and I have, y'all can say amen. You can shout. You can throw up a handkerchief. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to have a good time this morning. So we're going to, but you know what, and you know, and it's like I've been in churches and all across in, di- in different countries around the world. I remember speaking in a big church one time and a guy came to me at the end and, and we had an altar call where he just came and he said, you know, I, I, I said, and he, I prayed for him. And then I, I said, uh, we started talking about church and, and he goes, I go, well, where do you go to church? And he goes, I go to the greatest church that there is in America. I go, really? Where's that at? I mean, they have the best preachers every I said, man, tell me. So he goes, I watch TV every Sunday morning, and I watch the best TV preachers there are. And my response to him was, well, look, get sick, and if you need help, T.D. Jakes ain't coming. Okay, not only is T.D. Jakes ain't coming, but you know what? There's a whole lot of other people. Joyce Myers ain't coming to, you know, Help you with your words and what you say. But I've learned this. When you have spiritual family and you're connected to people. When you're going through something, there are people there that are there to help you, to encourage you, to to pray for you. I know what that's like. You know, I've, I've, I've walked through things. You see, when the prodigal, if you have a prodigal son or a daughter, which my wife and I, we've had one that he's come back home recently to the Lord. And, and it's like you have people around you that can rejoice with you. I mean, I'm talking about And You can just see an exciting man, We know, look at this is God. Look what God's done. And people around you go, that is God. And so, this morning, life can have pain. It can have things that you have. But you know what? You need to have spiritual family that you can have hope with and to believe God for greater things. Not only in your life, but for your children's lives and for your family's lives and for people that you're standing with. I'm going to go ahead and read, and I think it's going to be on the screen. And I'm going to pull out my glasses because uh, I'm over 40. And uh, Ecclesiastes says, A a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. I can just say this. The writer of that Ecclesiastes is King Solomon. And King Solomon, if anybody knew anything, the guy had over a thousand wives. Okay? For us that have one, I can't imagine. Okay? And a thousand wives, he had All the riches you can have. He would go to parties and look for what life really meant. And here's a guy that's right and has everything he can have. But he doesn't have and I know people that go from party to party, place to place, looking for something, and they never find what they're looking for. But I found out this. I gave my life to the Lord 35 years ago, and I found the thing, the very thing that I was looking for, and his name is Jesus. And it wasn't religion, it wasn't going to it wasn't about just church. It was about having a personal, intimate relationship with him. And he set me free, most of all, from myself. And I did my best and I found what I could not find. And Solomon here saying, you know what? I found in life that you need people in your life. And we know the very center of that court is we need a relationship with Jesus. And so, maybe your family abandoned you, or you never had a spiritual family, and, and you're longing, and you're and, and you're just you're, you're 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 just looking for a place, and, and you're, you're you're loving. Maybe you're, you're here, and you go, man, I like what I see, I, I like what I hear, and, and, and what I want to just tell you is this: if you're looking for a spiritual family, welcome home. And see, if you're truly going to, to do life together, you've got to learn how to be a good friend to one another. Example, you know, how many of you have heard of Batman and Robin? Okay. Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Okay. How about the Lone Ranger and Tonto? That was my, my error. How about Bert and Ernie? Now, you see, around the Church of Jennings, you don't know this, but we call Pastor Josh and Pastor Zach Bert and Ernie. Because they've done commercials that are just hilarious. If There's a couple things you might not know about your pastor. He could, let me just say, he's worked for the Wild Game Network, doing videos and, and editing, The Discovery Channel, trying to hire him. He's done things for President Bush, all these different things. I mean, those are things. And you know what? God's called him. To, he's, he's following God's call on his life. And have all these different things, but I just want to tell you this: is that for every one of us, we're looking for people that that can we can do life together, and it's it's those friendships that make strong that makes us. We need people that are going to be loyal to us, and and you have a standard, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Is there's a biblical example of friendship, and it's between two guys. It's called Jonathan. And, David. and you know about David, maybe you don't know about Jonathan, but we're going to talk about today. We're going to learn a little bit about Jonathan and some of the characteristics of what he had in his life to be able to be a true friend to David. Jonathan was one of the purest examples in the Bible to show us that God knew that David, he was going to, he needed a true friend by all the things that he was going to have to walk through eventually to become the king. And so, you know, it, it, you know, it's your friend when you're going through difficult times. I know that I remember years ago, they had that, that that Verizon commercial and I didn't get up here on this stage to be able to speak to you by just by myself. I did it by myself. I believe that God brings you. Listen, whatever you've accomplished in your life, you didn't get there by yourself. I mean, you know, what I'm talking about And And there's people that have gone before you and I remember they had that Verizon commercial and he's. Touching his phone. And he goes, how did you get here? And he go, he's looking at the phone. But he looks behind him. And there's a whole network of people. And he goes, the network. And I believe this. For every one of us, we need a network of friends that help us. When I get to heaven and I face the Lord, I'm going to have a network behind me. People that encourage me. People that corrected me. People that blessed me. People that helped me along the way. And it's going to be the same with you in your life. And in your marriage and with your friends. Because as a parent, the greatest desire that we have as parents is that it's not that our children live long, but they fulfill God's destiny and their and God's dream for their life, and we can live in eternity with them and with Jesus, Amen. Amen. And so here you look at. Let me get back to the message because I'm I'm one of those kind of guys. I, I y'all, y'all gonna see in a minute. I I love stories and I can get it off. And so y'all just help me out, all right? And so they, they had a they had the uh, in. The, the United Kingdom and Britain—they had a—they offered a prize if someone could give a great definition of what a friend is. And the winner actually said, "Here's the winning statement: A friend is someone who comes in when the whole world is gone." And see, I, I know that this isn't that true. That definition—many of us we can accomplish things in life, but few, but few people have very close, endearing friends. David had a friend. Who came when the world had gone out and so here we're going to talk about we're going to talk about this, but there was a study done in America, and they, they did it many how many people does the average American have in 1985 the average American had probably three close friends by 2004 they had between one and two. Now they say that people now have between one and none that they can literally share their heart with, that know their heart. And many times, friendships die when you get out of high school. You have close friends when you're younger, and then you start doing your own thing, and things begin to change. And so... What happens is that they see that the more and more a nation, you know, we look at America. We become more and more isolated because of technology, and you know, you can go and family times. And I've been guilty of this, and I'm not telling you anything. I'll be. We'll be watching something on TV or watching a football game. My wife will walk in because I thought you were watching a football game. Yeah, I am. Yeah, or the kids around, they're playing games, and it becomes an isolation, and it it kills relationships. You see, it's, it's about having face-to-face time. Friends, family, neighbors. Proverbs 18:24 man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. My job is not to get the people to like me, my job is to like people. Listen. Your job is not for people to like you. Let me let me give you a key to how to have a friend. Is it you to like them? And when you like someone, you become interested in them, and you get involved in their life. And you ask them questions, and you 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 have interest in them. And when you have interest in them, they'll be your friend. And see, when when things like that happen, it, it, it's like life. It, it, it's just like that. People are interested, and you'll have friends. My wife goes. Man, you always have friends, Baba. But can I tell you something? My wife has deep friendships. Deep friendships. You see, if you want to find a friend like Jonathan, you need to cultivate a heart like Jonathan. It starts in the heart. It starts with our decisions. It starts with what we think about the most. You've probably heard the old saying: If you want to have a friend, you got to what? You got to be a friend. You see? Well, it's true. If you want to be a friend like Jonathan. You have to cultivate a heart like Jonathan. See, the story of Jonathan, if you'll turn with me to chapter 18 of Samuel, then you begin to see how Jonathan and David get connected, and it continues through. Uh, you know, you, you see it in chapter 18 where they first get to meet, and then chapter 23, you begin to see some of the context they have, and then you see in chapter 31 where jo- Jonathan's life, he, he, he actually lays down his life for... For his nation and for his father and people. He's, he's always thinking about others, not himself. And let's just read in, in Samuel um, chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them. For Jonathan loved David. From the day of Saul kept, uh, kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. And I'll talk about those in just a little bit. But here's the interesting thing. First of all, you've got to know this. The first time Jonathan sees David is the chapter before. And how many of you know, you've heard the story of David and Goliath? Okay, what happens is, here he comes in, he sees this young guy, and Goliath is calling him all these names. He's going, Your mama! Your mama's so big, she got to iron her jaws on the driveway. Your God is doing all of this. He's saying all this stuff. We're going somewhere, I promise. He's saying all this stuff. And then he, you can go look at Jefferson, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And David, I love what David said. I, I was doing that. Uh, he comes. I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty of Israel. And he throws a rock, and he beams him right in the head, and he drops dead. And he takes Goliath's sword and chops his own head off with his own sword. And he lifts it up. You think braveheart is bad? You think? I and mean, he lifts up his head, and he just goes. Ah! And what happens is all. The kingdom of the Philistines who have been talking the, the Israel army for forty days in the valley. He lifts his hair because he had gone in the name of the Lord, and the Israelites they're just like, "Yeah!" I'm getting loud. I understand. I saw people. Sorry, I'm gonna calm down. I get excited. <laughs> and see, that's how Jonathan. See, he sees this young guy. Carrying the head of a giant. He won it by the power of God and hormones. Why do you mean hormones? Because see, King Saul actually promised to give his beautiful daughter to whoever would beat the giant. You tell that to a 15-year-old, he's going, yes, sir. (laughs) So what happens is, that's how he sees him. And people, you know, people are, listen, people are knit together just by being around each other. They see people when they stand out in boldness and they stand out in something. Because I realize this great people understand when there's greatness in the room. You see, it's interesting that Jonathan saw David out in order to, to have that friendship. See, re- remember, David was the youngest son of a shepherd who had just been there, gone there to go deliver cheese and some sandwiches to his brother and come back and tell his daddy what was going on in the battle. Remember, you see, saw Jonathan, he, when he was the firstborn of the king, he was heir to the throne. He was heir. Everything that was going was his father's was going to be his. Jonathan saw something in the heart of David. As a son of the king, he could have easily overlooked David. He could have had a little insecurity issues and go, you know what, that guy, I'm going to keep him away because he, he looks like he's... He, he, he can be great. Instead of doing that, but Jonathan, due to his own personal, strong character that he had in his own life and the leadership, he saw the anointing of God in the life of David. You see, and not only did Jonathan see the good in David, but he, he looked at him and he saw that David was willing to take risks. And listen to me, you need to write this down. It's not in your notes. Bold bold declarations require great risk. You can proclaim things. There's a lot of people that say a lot of stuff in life. There's a lot of people that promise you things, but let me just tell you something. When you show up and you deliver, it means a whole lot more. Because see, we can make bold decorations, but are you willing to take the risk from those decorations? Now, you don't know this, but 14 years ago, God spoke to my heart that we were going to start a church here in Crowley. But we honored God because my pastor, Pastor Jacob Aranz and I, we prayed. And when we prayed, we said, you know what? There's a godly man here in town, in Crowley. And we're not going to start a campus until he retires or something happens or whatever. And so we made a commitment. And we stuck to that commitment. And we've been been praying. Literally, I get up in Jennings, I go, one day we're going to start a campus. And what Zach was saying this morning is like, not only that, but we started one seven years ago in Eunice. And the cool thing is that we came together and we did a whole project called the Reach Project. Because God's called us to be a church planting movement that plants churches. And we got together, we have other things. We said, you know, the first thing we're going to do, is not about buildings. It's always about people. We're going to start a church in Crowley. The first portion of what we raised through this campaign we're gonna we're gonna push all our chips come on are y'all with me all our chips to the table we're gonna bet on god and so can i tell you something you're here because we prayed for you we're here because not only did people pray Listen, don't come to me and say, Pastor Bubba, I was thinking about, you know, I was praying about kind of volunteering, and I said, i look at you and go, I've already prayed about it. You need to quit messing around being religious and just do what God's telling you to do. <laughs> Thanks for all those amens. <laughs> you see, what happens is, is, that Jonathan, you know, he didn't only just see, God. Jonathan extended an invitation. He said, hey man, I want to enter your world, and I want you to enter my world. You see, another episode in their relationship happens in chapter 20. And and what happens is is David, what happens is Saul gets a slow burn in him. He kind of gets jealous of David because when he gets back into town, all the girls are singing songs, and they're saying, Saul kills a thousand. But David kills 10,000. And all of a sudden, something began to happen in Saul's heart. It's called, I like to call it the slow burn. When someone starts to bother you a little bit, all of a sudden, you get that slow. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? You just feel it, kind of. You got a nappy looking head. Everybody likes him. But you know, and we start pulling them apart. We start dissecting and saying, "Oh, who's them? What can they do? All this stuff." Can I just tell you something? When you look at this portion of scripture in this verse, verse one in, in First Samuel twenty, "What happened? he goes? He's coming to, to John. What have I done? Your dad's after me. Man He's trying to kill me. What did I do? What? What is? What is? My, what is? What's my sin? What's my iniquity? What have I done? What is it that, that I've done to your father?" Then he seeks to kill my life. So Jonathan is a plan to find out what Saul is planning to do, and the plan they begin to piece it together and learns. And if you would like to go with me in chapter twenty, verses, I'll just read. Here's the plan: verse thirty and and thirty one of chapter twenty. I'm in chapter twenty. Hold on. Okay, and he says this, and then, then Saul, um, let's see, 30. So Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son. I know, just, this is the Bible, okay? You say you stupid son of a whore. You think, come on now, that's, that's serious. Okay, he swore to him, do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself, your mama? As long as the son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. Now, how many think that guy may have a lot of insecurity issues? See, he's worried about the throne. David's not worried. I mean, Jonathan's not worried about the throne. He's worried about his friend. Yeah, you see, and you go on to look and you say, then you need you need to read verse 33. So he's so mad at Jonathan. And he says, why should, well, verse thirty? why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father, what has he done? And his dad's soul kicked off. And then Saul hurled his spirit, Jonathan, intended to kill him. So at last, Jonathan recognized that his father was really determined to kill David. So here it is. You see this scene. Jonathan takes a risk. Both, you know, both decorations require great risk, and to maintain his friendship with David, but he does it because he's a true friend. And the final episode is in chapter twenty-three. And then I'm going to come. I've got something I want to share with you. Verse seventeen and eighteen. And it says, "Don't." Here they are. They're talking. Jonathan has has the position and the place to make or break this relationship. He's the one that will be the new king. But he is willing to lay down his throne for a friend. Jesus left heaven for (coughs) us. Don't be afraid, Jonathan. Assured him, my father will never find me you're going to be the next king of Israel and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord then Jonathan returned home while David stayed. You see he he's the one, Jonathan's the one who takes the risk to find out to be a friend. He's the one who encourages the faith. He's a man He's the one that encourages the man that we call a man after God's own heart. I want to talk about three characteristics of a friend that I'm going to be done. Won't be long. First thing is, from, it's from the heart and the life of John. The first thing is, you got to learn to be selfless. What does that look like? Samuel chapter 18, verse 4, and saw Jonathan, took off his robe that, that, that was on him, and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. The beginning of a relationship took place after David killed Goliath, that the first thing that he gave him was a robe. It was a robe. What does a robe have to do with anything? It was actually, it was actually his position. It's who he was. The robe represented authority. Jonathan's position. He takes off his position. And he says, here, put this on. Put this on. Jonathan see what David had. It was a robe. Just like the prodigal father when his son came home. What did he do? Put a robe on him. That robe represented, you know what? You were walking exposed to this world. But God, how many of you know that God exchanges the clothes that we put on? He takes off death clothes and he puts on grace clothes. It's the robe of grace. We don't deserve it. Just like David, he didn't deserve it. But Jonathan is a picture of Jesus. When we need help. How I many you need help sometimes? Oh, three people. Okay, the rest of them, we'll pray for you. Okay? We all need help. You see, what happens is he comes and then he gives him his armor. His armor represented this. Jonathan was over a third of the army. But here, what he did, he gave him a sword. That sword represented transparency. Here, look, we're going to be real with each other. And the sword is protection, it's for defense, but it's also for offense. And see, what transparency literally means is that we can be real with each other. Look at me. When I became a Christian, there's one thing I never wanted to do, I didn't want to be religious. You see, I'll just give you a little bit. My mother was Methodist. My dad was Baptist. His mama was Jehovah's Witness. Her mama was charismatic. My mama left my dad, and she married another man, he was Catholic. I didn't need religion. I needed out my state of confusion. I went to Catholic school, Episcopal school, public school. Got kicked out of all of them. By the time I graduated, I figured it out. I went to 15 different schools. I remember one time, and I'm, I'm just sorry to tell you this, I mean... I remember being at Cathedral Carnival Carmel in Lafayette and I was hungry one day and I took the Eucharist and I ate it. My friend looked at me and goes, oh my God. He goes, the last time I heard someone do that, they bled from the inside out. I remember the rest of the day, I'm going, going to look in the mirror. I remember God, he, he used to bring us to school, his name was Mr. Mouton. And he'd, he had a, a touch by God. He wore the biggest cross. It looked like the cross you would deliver a vampire with <laughs> around his neck. And he would sing all these songs and stuff. But, but when we got home, he treated his wife like junk. And he beat on his kids. And I remember being a kid thinking, Okay. Maybe he needs to swallow that cross <laughs> and let it get down to his heart so it become real. You see, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. And that's what he's all about. He sees what people walk through. He sees your condition. And see, I believe this. You know what the sword represents? I need to be transparent. It means I need to just be real. People aren't looking for fake people to help them. Amen? Amen? The bow represented provision. Hey, friendship brings transparency and it brings provision when you need it. It just does. You see... I believe this for every one of us. Not only that, but are y'all with me? Come on, are y'all with me? Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, y'all quiet. Am I all right? Look at your neighbor and say, hey, wake up. Look at the other neighbor you didn't want to look at. You too. All right. It's the belt. There's a sword, the bow, and and the belt. Represents able to speak truth about what holds everything together. Look at me. The belt represents it. Listen, I if I didn't wear a belt on these pants this morning, if I bend over, you'd be mooned. I promise you. Okay? I put this belt on because I realized I could have gone without it, but they're getting loose on me. All right? And so, you understand? Truth in a friendship holds everything up. truth is like this correction brings direction are you hearing me but if you can't receive the correction and you don't see the direction that God is trying to help you with or your pastor you, you take it as rejection And there's a lot of people that are walking around with things that they, they, they instead of listening to correction they're walking they, 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 they just they don't like you they don't care. I remember one time, I learned truth a couple of different ways. I mean, I learned the power of electricity when I was about seven years old. My mama kept telling me, she said, don't you touch the plug. Don't you touch that plug with your hand when you plug it in, son. And I was wanting to listen to my my, my Walt Disney album, my 33 and a half. And that just daked me a little bit. And I wanted to listen to, you know, Mr. Bluebird I'm on my shoulder. It's a and all that. You know what I mean? Daniel Boone was a man. Had all those songs. And I was going to put my album in, and I remember she said, "Don't put the put yeah, girl." I had a revelation of the power of electricity because I was a cool you I couldn't figure it out on my own. See, truth come. Listen, you going to learn truth either by revelation or by tribulation. But most of us go through the tribulation before we get the revelation. You see. The thing is, is that it represents, and that Jonathan gave David a part of himself. He said, here's my stuff. Here, what I have, I give you. Didn't that sound kind of like New Testament, too? Whatever I have, whatever you see, I give to you as well. See, the, the, he wasn't going, hey, brother, bless you, brother. Oh, man, you're you know what, you know, uh, see you later, man. I, but if you need anything, call me, but I won't answer. That's what you're thinking in your mind. I have a guy in our church. He's a ex-army ranger. His name's Mikey. He's been in our church for a while. Him and his wife were actually sleeping together, not married and all that, came to me, gave his life to the Lord, and he said, I want to get really, because he understood authority, he said, Mikey, I mean, you want to honor God? He goes, yeah. I said, well, let's why don't you honor your future. Mate? They moved away. Not move, move out. And they honored God because they met Jesus. Are you hearing me? And they ended up honoring God. And every time I finished, get off the phone with Mike, he goes, hey man, he said, "Pastor the if you need anything, just call me. Just call me. I remember one time, I had had surgery because I had, some of y'all battled cancer for a while. And it, I had, I had and I'm kind of stubborn. I mean any of you men like that sometimes? Wives raise her hand for them. Anyway, just Okay. And I remember I saw my wife I and mean, she started having this smell in the house. She goes, Papa, it smells like something's dead. And I'm like, ah, baby. And so she goes, It's coming around from where well it smells like around the and you know how guys are, oh baby, it'll go away. And it's really getting bad, and I'm smelling it. I'm like, man, I'm trying to recover from my surgery and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, I go open the, the our, our uh, dryer vent goes down. We have a house on piers. And so I pull up the vent, and I see a dead cat. And that's where it's come, the smell's coming from in, in, in the house. So I put it back on. She goes, what she? we <laughs> see? It's a dead cat. I said, I'm going to get it. She goes, don't you get it? Don't call someone in the church. No, baby, I don't want to bother. I remember, listen, I, I've been like, had my surgery like four or five days, and I, I'm literally stupid, okay? I tried I started crawling into my house when she left. And I remember she's, I, I'm crawling and I'm going, What in God's creation are you doing? I mean, I'm hurting, I'm going, oh, oh I'm going to get that darn cat. And I was like, I can't get that thing. And I remember I called Mikey. Remember, man of God, anything you need. Mikey, I got a dead cat at the vent. No problem, about it. And he's skinny, too. He's like Zach. I mean, he's so skinny, you got to tease the hair to make a sock stay up. Okay? You know what I mean? That kind, of, that kind of skinny. All right? And he gets it. That's a friend. You see? And so what happens is, one day, think about it. David's counting sheep. The next day, he's in a battle. The next day, he's in the king's court. He's a prince, married to his, the king's daughter. And the next day, the king's trying to murder him. you imagine that? It happened just in, I mean, hero, court. I'm gonna kill it. So what happens is, are y'all with me? Okay, I'm just trying to make sure. I mean I like when y'all talk back. I mean, I have legs sometimes, Miss Jean, she'll go, come on back Bubba preach. I'm trying, I'm trying, Miss Jean. David was caught on the emotional roller coaster, you know, that it wouldn't let him go. How many of you know that when you you need friends when you're in the middle of a transition, you don't know where to go, don't know what to do? That's when you need friends. Although he's the heir of the throne, Jonathan could see the potential call of God on David. Jonathan's selflessness allowed him to see himself and others from God's perspective. The second thing is, let me go quickly second thing is, a true friend is committed. It means just to do. Committed means I'm just going to do it. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. When David came to Jonathan with the news in chapter 20, he, he said, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. That, that's a friend. That's a voice of commitment and loyalty. Jonathan, Jonathan risked everything to accomplish David's good. What are you willing to risk for your friends? Would you risk your comfort, your popularity, your reputation? So if you want to cultivate a heart like Jonathan, you must develop a heart of commitment. What does that look like? That might mean listening to a friend in anguish when you know that you've got a hunting trip coming and, and you go, well, i got to miss this trip. to go... Help a friend, or you just take them honey with you. Are you hearing me? Amen. And you just come, come on, Mike. I heard that somewhere. And you find commonality, you find focus, and you're able to share with that person. And what happens? That might that may mean canceling the trip to Destin because your friend's your friend's brother died. It might mean sometimes saying to your friend and child, hey, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Be a Mikey. Proverbs said, most men proclaim each, each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Friends, if you want to add to your component of your deepest friendships, listen, if you want friends, it's going to change. It's going to take some things you to change Christianity is really about change it's really the picture of when you see someone get married and you look at them and they, they go I'm marrying the perfect one I go yeah give it two weeks <laughs> you're just so I've done many marriages and I go we'll see you in a year and all the people that were there at the wedding will see you in a year and we will see that you have changed amen Marriage just reveals who you are. Christianity, and when you begin to measure yourself by this book, it just shows you who you are and what you need. You see, how, could you, how can any of this be done? You know, when you look at this, it's like, you know, he saw, Jonathan saw, man, David needs a friend. I'm committed. See, accountability means voluntarily it's going to someone and say, hey, listen, man, I want to give you the right to speak in my life. I want to give you authority to ask me questions. Not only do I want you to ask, I give you authority to correct me. Hold me responsible to my conduct. I remember going, one of my good friends, and we're at a restaurant, and I mean, they, I mean you know, they, they, okay, He was a stupid man. I'll just say that. You know what he bought for his wife for her birthday? Okay, buns of steel. Okay, look at me. I would have had, if I would have given that to my wife, I couldn't have seen out of my right eye for about three weeks. That's not true. She's too sweet. She just gets someone else to put her anyway. And I remember we're sitting at the, the thing, and he's He's dogging his wife right in front of all of his couples. And I just, I never just go, I'm not going to say his name. And I say, hey, man. I took him to the bathroom. And I just said, bro, you can't do that. That's your wife. What are you doing? You think you're looking good. And you think it's funny. But you're embarrassing yourself. And you're making yourself more of a smaller man. And I forget, he just melted, we prayed, and he repented and went on. Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron so a man so a man sharpens the countenance of a friend. You know, I've learned this. When you sharpen an iron, sparks fly. Sparks hit things sometimes. And it causes things to happen. You see, Jonathan became accountable to David by making a vow. He said, man, Whatever your father's, whatever my father's intentions are, David, I'm here to be with you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to be your friend. Accountability and friendship depends on a lot about the struggles and the fears you walk through. You may, you may need. Let, let me just say, you may need friends to help you to kick a habit that you've developed over our lifetime. You may need a friend to de- help you develop a, a discipline. You know, when I was a young Christian, I had a guy named Roger, and we and, and uh, he didn't like me. Okay, can I just be honest with you? He didn't like me. He come to he told me, he confessed to me. You know, I just have a problem with you. And he came to me about five times and told me and confessed things. He was jealous, all this other stuff. About the fifth time, I was like, Dan, don't you come and confess to me again?" And so I looked at him and said, "Hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we just meet?" Every morning at 5.30. Every Monday morning at 5.30. And let's pray together. And that's what we did. For the next seven months. And he never came back to me again. Because you know what we did? We became friends. We worshiped God together. We loved God together. And it opened up the door for us to be able to speak in each other. And to see each other's heart. Does that make sense? You see... The last thing is, is that, is in, in, number three is encouraging. Just encourage and, and if you look in, in chapter 23, verse 16 and 17, verse 17 and, and it says, Jonathan went to David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Let me just stop it right now. Jonathan encouraged David with his life, not just his words. Jonathan strengthened David. There's a lot of people that will worry with you. That's not what you need. There are people that will just say, hey man, this is what you need. Encouraging means this. Encouraging means this. Pouring courage into somebody. Pouring Courage. You know, I battled cancer for five years. I prayed for a precious brother this morning. It's battling with some of the things I've been through. But I can remember when I found out, the first thing I did, I got on my knees and said, God, God, I trust you. My wife was there in the doctor here crackling. grabbed like, I trust you. And I got up and I said, God, let me just tell you something. I'm trusting God because this is a journey, not only for me and my family, but it's a journey for you to see the faithfulness and what God can do. But you know what I had? I had other people come. I had my friend, Pastor Harry Gomes come from India. Just to come. Not just in black. But he was in the States. He came. He saw me in my office. And he goes, Pastor Baba, the Lord, I've been praying for you, my friend. And I remember he looks at me. And he said, you know, there's all these different reasons why people get cancer. And he goes, you know, he started naming all these things. And then sometime, I mean, because he, listen. I'm not kidding. He knows the Bible. The whole Bible by my heart. First time he came to our church, exact day. I mean, he started. You know, first going to him. He said, "I took notes. I'm, too I'm going to go check him out." And I asked him, Brother Harry, how did you learn to know the Bible? He says, "For three months, I went and I prayed, and I brought my Bible, and God put a blue chip in my brain." I go, "Right, well, that blue chip don't work in my brain." And he looked at me. He says, "Baba." Sometimes it's just an attack from the enemy. He said, medicine cleanses, my friend, but Jesus heals. You know how many times I've used that with people? When they were in the chemo chair, and I was sitting across from them. I remember one lady came in with all this fear. Everybody, and I just looked at her and I said, excuse me, can I talk to you? And I just began to share with her about the love of God and I prayed for her and, and I never she's looking across they have all these old ladies she goes baby you need to listen to the little boy he can help you <laughs> I just started praying for her listen I don't know what that prayer did but I know what it did it encouraged all those that were around it encouraged her to quit looking at her fears and trust God in the midst of her fears you see Every time you encounter people with a potential, you can make a choice. You can either help them, achieve what they're going to achieve. See, let me just say something. I love my son. I don't love him just because he's my son, but I love him. I mean, I saw, I mean, I've been there from the day he was born. I mean, he was birthed. I saw him. I knew he's mine. Okay? I remember pulling him in a little red wagon down an alley and just I used to pray over him and believe. And I've seen things in his life come to pass. His name, Zachary, means God remembers. James means good looking. At least Claire saw a good looking thing. But anyway. Can I tell you something? Names mean things. God remembers every prayer. All I ever prayed for him, I said, Lord, I, I just pray you give him wisdom. That's all I've ever prayed. And then, and then all my sons will be violently in love with you. See, when you help someone else, you share. Listen to me. Whatever success Crowley has, I share. You hearing me? How can I share it? You know why? It's because along the way, when Zach's needed help, when he's been discouraged, when he's been down, his success is my success. Your success is our success. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your success. We didn't invest just to go, well, we're going to throw out money and let's see what God does. You know, check it out. There you go. That's not what we did. We did. We say, let's let's love people. Let's reach people. Let's build lives. Let's encourage. And see, I'm here. All I'm here today to do is this guy. Guys, here it is. Let me just say, I want you to learn to be selfless in God toward people around you. Because that's contagious. People love people that are interested in them. And be committed to your walk with the Lord. That means getting up. Spending time with Jesus means reading your Bible. Don't just look at it. Open it up. Read it. Let it affect you. Be committed to be a friend. But also, when you walk in these doors, don't be quick to leave. Stay. Hear people's story. Encourage them. Pray with them, help them, believe in them. You know, Pastor Jamie. It's kind of crazy, but every one of our pastors—Pastor Jamie's daddy left him when he was just a baby. I'm his daddy. He's way bigger than me. Okay. Pastor Josh, daddy abandoned him when he was 18 years old. He's our, camp, he's our, our lead pastor in Jenny's He's Zach's best friend, and Zach's my son. But they're all my sons in the Lord, and I want to tell you something. Zach is not a pastor by himself. He's a pastor that has a pastor. His grandfather, Pastor Jacob, called him this morning. I'm jealous. He's calling him. He's calling Zach morning. He called me now. We call him the mega pastor because you know what? Let me tell you something. You don't know this, but him and I were in church, and I'm gonna I'm gonna close here real quick. We were at our mother church, and Pastor Jim McCoon who's a prophet. He knows Zach, he's known Zach since I don't know. Right before the start of the service, he goes, Zach, come here. And he began to prophesy. And he said this, the anointing that's on your daddy, God has poured out a double portion on you. You know what? We prayed over the city and we felt like this God was going to do things quicker and greater than He's ever done in any of our other cities. Does that make me jealous? You know what that does for me? What parent doesn't want their child to do better than them? Hello? We believe in you, we believe in this city. We believe that there's greatness here. The symbol of this city is, is, is a bundle of rice that's been harvested. And I believe the harvest is right. God wants to do something in this city. But let me tell you, to reach a city, it starts with one person. And it starts with you. Not only does it start with you, that means that you go and you speak to others and help them encourage them and build them up. Think less of yourself and think more of them. Amen? Let's pray. Father. I'm just thinking that how Jonathan helped strengthen David. He helped him, he helped him save a nation. He helped him to rule. And Father, this morning, just as the daddy of this church. I just pray. I pray a spirit of generosity. I pray a spirit. When people walk in here, just a spirit of commitment, a spirit of loyalty, a spirit of, God, that people would walk in, they would feel like this is home. Where the people are committed, they really care. It's not something that they just say. They really care about each other. People would say, when I walk out, I'm always encouraged. I pray this over every person. I pray this over this church. In Jesus' name, amen. As Zach's coming, I want to say one more thing. You know, this week, just to let you know, this week I was in a, an antique store. and They have a lady there that we've been ministering for years. She just loves us we started talking about the little baby they were still born I began to share with her what I shared with them. she began the week and I said I said Polly can I just pray for you and I prayed for her she looked at me she said you know Bubba you know what I, I just want to say this y'all are the greatest blessing that has ever come into this town. y'all are alive and you care and you're real Listen, I believe this. Wherever you're at, it always starts with one step saying today's the day. I just got to be real. I got to be real with myself. I need to be real with my God. I need him in my life. He's the only one that can change me from the inside out. Look at me. I want to proclaim this to you. Jesus loves you. Not only does he love you, but he's for you. He's come to give life. And give it a bundle. He said, You know, if, how do you know if you love God? The Bible says if you keep my words or my commands, you love me. The Bible says that he's come to give life and give it more abundantly. He insists that you enjoy his life, not his religion, his life. But the enemies come to rob, kill, and destroy. And we want you to know this. this is what, we want this to be a place where people come and they feel like, Hey, there's life here. Now help me. They won't judge me. They may correct me. But it's only to direct me. For what God has for me. Hey love you. God bless you. And believe in God's greatest for you.